Greetings, this is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM in Chicago. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Mike Sherrick. This is Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap, and it's Saturday, August 15, 2020. Hey, man, good morning. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Mike. Hey, what's going on? Are you, are you in Chicago today or are you in Elgin today? I'm in Chicago. Yeah, are you being uh, impacted by the bridges? I couldn't, I couldn't come to Evanston through Chicago this morning. Uh, no, I'm just in my little bubble. Are in you? Lake, Lakeview yeah. and um, Lincoln Park. I, just, I, needed, I needed to just experience the city again. Yeah. You know, I'm, one, I'm one of those decadent creatures who I'm unable to live outside of a city for too long. I've been in Elgin for four months. I'm going, I mean, I'll be, you know, I'm just, I need the city life. I need no, I get just, it. Yeah. Well, there's an appeal to it. It's it's not for me. I, I I just had a conversation with a friend of mine this week, and and I actually, I actually became clear that when I'm in the city, I and I'm not a guy who does anxiety, but I actually have anxiety, especially driving around the city and stuff. I do not like being in the city, of Chicago. But mm-hmm. that's just me. That's why I've always lived in the suburbs, you know. But that's yeah. why they have all the different stuff for all of us, so we can all fit in. And and I'm clear you're an urban guy, and it 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 really speaks to who you are, and it's and you live in such a cool part of the city, you know. I do. I'm very blessed to live in Yeah, Lakeview. yeah. So good morning, man. So we're going to talk about Donald J. Trump today, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes because both of us are, I would say, conservatives. You're clearly an independent conservative. I would have mm-hmm. said four or five months ago, I was probably a little more middle of the road, but I see myself becoming more and more, I don't know if you want to call it conservative or not, or really appreciating the conservative values that people like Ronald Reagan have had, you know, and, and that version of it. And, um, uh, I've seen myself, you know, I did vote for Trump, but I, I, I was having a difficult time with him often. And, and I see myself throughout the pandemic and throughout all the things that have been going on, actually kind of being more accepting of him. And, uh, you've kind of gone the other way. So it's going to be a great conversation today. So I have gone. Yeah. Well, you know, when he first became president, uh, I did not vote for him. Oh, um, you didn't. Okay. And, did no, you vote did for not. Hillary? I did vote for Hillary. Clinton. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm a registered Democrat and I voted yeah. for Obama the first time. I did not vote for anybody the second time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I did not for four years. I never said a negative word about Donald Trump. I yeah. never wrote anything negative no. about him. I said, he's our president. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't vote for him, but I'm one of those Americans who accept the will of the people yeah. and the constitutional process. And I said, he's our president and he's now my president and I'm going to give him a chance yeah. to rule and to govern. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what has happened. Yeah. Um, I, I look at Ronald Reagan, whom I admired very greatly. Yeah, my grandmother, too. my late grandmother, who was a lifelong socialist, voted for Ronald Reagan when she came wow. to America. <laughs> How's that? That's awesome. And, and I came to this country under the, 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 the governorship of, of Reagan, who was mm-hmm. the amnesty president. But I came here with a green card that was administered to me by Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And I remember when, when, when Barack Obama um, was running and uh, another great, great uh, conservative um, um, who, ran, who ran against Obama. What, why am John I McCain? Morning John McCain. Yeah. And a woman said, he's a Muslim. He's a yes. Muslim. And John McCain quietly said in his concession speech, no, ma'am, he's an American. He's not a Muslim. He's a good man. We just have different views. I know. I remember that. It was, I, 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 I was a huge John McCain fan. You know? that, was, that, that spoke to the, the, the man in John McCain that I respect. Yeah. Donald Trump's career 
Mm -hmm. uh, which one of the reasons I did not vote for Donald Trump, among mm -hmm. other things, mm -hmm. was that his entire political career was forged in the crucibles of a racist birther movement. Obama was the most vetted man on the planet. Mm -hmm. He is a bona fide American. Yeah. And Donald Trump took advantage of this birtherism and drove it into the ground, which spoke to me as a kind of na a dangerous nativism and a racist attack. It was, for me, a political lynching of this black man who was a born American. And this week, he started the same goddamn thing against Kamala Harris. Yeah. Now, whether one is for Kamala Harris or not right. is an issue that we can we can debate her policies sure. as how she ran... Uh, as attorney general of the state of California, attorney general of the city of San Francisco. On a, I'm a policy kind of person. Mm -hmm. But yeah. what triggered me this week is when, again, he started this nonsensical, racist, divisive, yeah. exploitative talk of questioning the fact that because her father is Jamaican mm -hmm. and her mother was from India, and when they came to America, they were students and she was conceived mm -hmm. by two immigrants in this country. Yep. She's somehow not, I have just, had it. I've had it with him the way he conducted the whole COVID crisis, calling it the sniffles that would just go away. Mm -hmm. He thought he could tweet it away. You know, he closed on the 2018 pandemic unit when he didn't have to, when scientists warned that a pandemic was coming. Yeah. Just, but I, let's be, I don't want to go off on a tangent. I don't want to ram because I'm a sure. very systematic, orderly thinker. I'm a trained mm -hmm. as a logician. So I want to, I want to keep things. What has triggered me now yeah. is. Again, I see a racist, nativist agenda in this man, in his attack on Kamala Harris, keeping out whether one likes her or not. I'm yeah. not her biggest fan. Yeah. I'm not her biggest fan. I don't hate her. I have some policy issues with her. She doesn't deserve to have her citizenship questioned by yeah. a sitting president who is resorting back to what seems to me as a black man and a, citizen, a naturalized citizen of, of this country a nativist agenda. Yeah. I think that pisses me off. Yeah. I think every non-racist American should be pissed off despite his or her attitude towards Kamala Harris should be pissed off that the president of this country is again going back to something like birtherism. I you know, it it's interesting when you bring that up. I I think just the birtherism stuff. It my experience with Donald Trump and I've got a completely different perspective on, okay? I, when he ran, I was uh, just exiting the construction world, and I had dealt with a number of people that were real estate developers. And these real estate developers are classic alpha males. They are um, win-at-all-cost guys. Um, they're typically unconstrained by what some of us would view as ethics or morality, you know, um, because they're just playing to win. It's, it's all transactional. And they're going to do anything they can to win, and they don't care what it takes. You know, it's the the ends justify the means, and that that's how I see Donald Trump. I don't see him so much as a racist, as much as I see him as a win at all cost guy, and he just doesn't care. I think he's indifferent to that. Well, how do you explain the birth move, birtherism movement? Oh, it, it's it's just it's throwing it's throwing crap at the wall to stir people up. Is what it is. It, it's it's raising questions where there's no reason to raise a question. It's 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 if you read the art of war, it's diversionary. Well, it's a racist diversionary tactic, isn't well, it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the only way you know if someone's racist or not is if you see in their heart. And I, I think you do you judge by their actions. 
questioning yeah. this man and now this woman's uh, birth birthright when they are putatively Americans. I mean, this no, is there's, the most there's no, there's, there, it, there's it, no it's, doubt that Obama was an American. There are so many things it. to go after Kamala Harris on. I don't want to mispronounce her name. That going after this is just dumb. It, it, you know, I, there's so many other things to go after. And the other thing that it really, I, I think the thing that bugs me the most about Trump, and again, like I've said, I'm, I'm, I've actually become, um, I, I guess for lack of a better word, I've definitely accepted him and I've become kind of a supporter of him. He's done some good stuff and I wish he would talk more about the stuff he's accomplished and less about attacking Sleepy Joe about being Sleepy Joe or less attacking uh, Kamala Harris about whatever she's done. Who cares? He's the incumbent president. He should be standing for the things he's accomplished. He accomplished something great this week. They had a, a um, you know, the United Arab Emirates and Israel, you know, came to a peace agreement and he brokered the deal. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. Anybody who is, you know, a, a fan of Israel, like you and I both are, you know, we should be, that, that's where the attention should be on. And to not, not focus on that and focus on the, you know, the Kamala Harris's birth or whatever. She was born in California. Now we can, we can have a question. Is California part of the country? You know, <laughs> it speaks something central about his character, and it speaks yeah. to a wider agenda that he holds. And you see it with this building of this freaking wall. Yeah, that's Mexicans that's, do not pose an existential oh, threat. Not to at this all. Country. It speaks to something about his philosophy that he has a nativist and xenophobic anti-immigrant philosophy that ties American identity and American. Uh, Amer just let's call it American identity to something like white nationalism. See, I, and, and, I am judging yeah. him by what? No, I understand. Does. I don't care about, I, I'm not a clairvoyant and I can't yeah. look in somebody's heart, nor I don't even, I barely have access to my own consciousness. <laughs> exactly. Very, in, very introspective. <laughs> I have to judge a person by their actions. Exactly. And then you infer from their actions what their, what their reasoning must be like. So Jay, we were talking about, uh, the issue of, of Donald Trump's nativism mm -hmm. and uh, some of the, God, you know, for me, it's it just noise. You know, I, I don't know. Uh-oh. It, it, hold on. We've got some issues with. <laughs> Are you there, Jay? Oh, yeah, I can hear Did you. Did you hear all the hear. music? It, it, no. Oh, it was just going through me. Okay. There was all kinds of music was blowing through my head. So yeah, the, the 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 nativism to me is um, is is just um, it's it's just noise. I don't understand it. It's distracting, and it it it. I I think if if he doesn't win the election, it's because the guy hasn't been on task and and pointed to the things that you know he's done that's pretty well. You know, for me, the thing that I see that he's been pretty good at is he's been a, a stand and an advocate and created an environment for the working man in this country. And, you know, employment was, prior to COVID, was going up. Um, unemployment was as low as it's ever been. Uh, there were new jobs being created. There was, um, you know, expansion in manufacturing, which I think is vital not only for the economy, but for our own national security. And um, I, I don't know why he just doesn't stick to that stuff, because that stuff alone is, is, to me, good enough. But he gets into all this crazy stuff, and what I see it does, it, it feeds 
kind of the madness of the other side. You know, the, the, these conversations about racism and nativism and all this other stuff that creates so much divide throughout our country. And his actions actually feed that conversation and, and bring some, some validity to it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would just love to get your take on that. And, and, you know. Well, I think that in some sense, I mean, I, I have gone around the country pre-COVID, of course, when my sure. book came out. And I've, I mean, I've written three books before mm-hmm. that where I used to give a lot of talks. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've met a lot of people I'm, mm-hmm. of, of Trump supporters and a lot of people who who buy my book, mm-hmm. We Have Overcome, are avid Trump supporters. Yeah. And so there's not a there's not a what you'd call a, a monolithicity among Trump supporters. I don't think there's a monolith. What's the word? <laughs> monolithicity. They're yeah. not a monolithic group. right? I, I don't think that's anywhere. I think that's the beauty of America. Right. So. And I mean, I have friends who are millionaires who are Trump supporters and Mm -hmm. I have friends who are, who are forklift drivers who are Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, you know, I, I don't like these uh, reductionistic, reductionistic categories, Mm -hmm. but I do think that, and I pay very, very close attention to what the president says and what he does. Yeah. And I do think that there's something elemental about his appeal to the lowest common denominator of the ugliest sect of his base yeah and that is uh you know when you hear that that lowest common denominator mm-hmm. having a sort of and i'm talking for example about the unite the right which is the largest alt-right the largest neo-nazi white nationalist group in america mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when they converge in 2017 on charlotte in charlotte yeah. uh, charleston uh in, in virginia and uh i mean you we're talking about Klansmen with hoods and yeah. shouting anti-Semitic, anti-racial slurs. And one guy got in his car and drove down and killed a woman. No, and to the to the to, to cut a long story short, we know what the president said. There were there were good people on both sides. Now, I don't know, I don't know where the good people are among white nationalists who are in uh Ku Klux Klan robes shouting anti-Semitic and anti-racial, anti-gay slurs. It, it it sort of struck me that a good leader would stand up and denounce yeah. that kind of behavior yeah. instead of stoking for the sake of political expediency. Yeah. Stoking uh not just um you can't even call it fears, but but stoking the hatred of such groups. Yeah. So I, I think it's an elemental and constitutive part of his philosophy. That really, really bothers me that I did not see on a George Bush. I mean, look, let's no. go back to when 9-11. After 9-11, there could have been a bloodbath mm-hmm. against Muslims in this country. Yep. Can you imagine if this had happened in, in Iran or in any other country, Christians would have been slaughtered. George Bush, yeah. George W. Bush said, we do, we are not at war with Muslims. We're at war with jihadist terrorists. Right. There were no, there were one or two mosques got burned down by some crazy people. Mm-hmm. But Muslims, I was, I mean, I remember I remember very clearly Muslims went about their business. Yeah. They were not attacked. There were no massive burnings, no reprisals against Muslims in this country. Yeah. George W. Bush could, could easily have taken advantage of that situation, right? Yeah. And have used incendiary language against Muslims. I see Donald Trump doing the same thing with his birtherism, with his appeal to like, movements like Unite the Right. Yeah. And it, it really bothers me because I think that's a divisive approach. Yeah. Um, it's it's not an inclusive one that says, look, we're all Americans. It's the same thing 
to show that I'm not being biased, let me say mm-hmm. this. It's the same thing that Hillary Clinton did when she talked about Donald Trump's basket of deplorables. Yeah. Rather than saying, I want listeners to see that I'm being fair-minded here, rather than saying, we're all Americans, and I know that some of you Trump supporters um, are, I know that all of you Trump supporters are good people, and I'm going to, and some, and I'm going to appeal to the best in you and show you that mm-hmm. I can do a better job than Trump. She said, she just lumped all of them as basket of the basket of deplorables. Yeah, that was right. That was that, a which horrible, is a, a bad thing. Horrible to do. statement. A horrible and- statement. But I think Trump, with his birtherism and his nativism, is is categorizing and 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 separating a host of Americans, which includes people like me, uh, which sends a message that I don't belong because I don't yeah. I don't have the right kind of lineage. And I think it's divisive. But I think that's a constitutive part of of his philosophy, whether that's a constitutive part of who he is, I don't know. But that's a philosophy that he holds, that he that he pr- promotes onto the world stage. And you see it in the lowest element of his base, which is a large segment. Yeah. I'm not condemning all Trump supporters as holding no. that. Right? No, I, I think that's I think that has to be addressed. And I think I, when when yeah. people in the Republican Party just say, well, that's just Donald Trump, you know, and you let principles out the door, right? When, when, when it's a cult of personality and not a gathering of like-minded principles, principled people working towards a common set of goals, yeah, that's very dangerous. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I see what you're pointing to. I, I, I look from a different perspective, and, and it's not to disagree with you at all, because what he's doing is stoking a disenfranchised group, which is never good. And it's, it's quite what's funny. To me, that's that's what many of the uh, you know some of the past racist black leaders have done. Has and, and and I actually think is kind of what BLM is doing is trying to stoke the disenfranchisement of the black community. But you know, it, we got to say Trump started it, and and I think what it speaks to it speaks to there's a much bigger problem in our country, Jay. And and the problem is, it's the economy doesn't serve you know, the, the people of this country very well anymore. Um, I mean, it served me. Okay. It serves you. Okay. But there's a, there's a large group of people, both black and white who are, have a difficult time building a life for themselves in a way that sustains what it means to be a family and and how it looks to fulfill the American dream. And, um, you know, it's been labeled as institutional racism, and I don't think that's quite accurate. I think what it is, it's this this corporate policy where we've been, you know, have jobs as being removable, and we've abandoned, like, huge communities throughout the Midwest. You know, you go from West Virginia to Ohio to Michigan to Indiana, Illinois, not so much Indiana, but Illinois, um, parts of Wisconsin, parts of Iowa. You know, there, there's, you know, there, there used to be this big manufacturing base and because it's, it's more or it's less expensive to manufacture in Mexico or less expensive to manufacture in China or, or send our stuff there. What we've done is remove these jobs and there's been a huge impact. And especially for men, I think they see the job they do as, as a big part of their identity. And so when a steel mill closes or a textile mill closes or a, a, an auto parts plant closes, you know, that has a rippling effect because those things are typically, you know, oftentimes put in semi-rural environments. And when you move 5,000 jobs out of a town that has, you know, 11,000 people, the impact's devastating. 
And the same thing's been going on in, uh, in, in, with the black community. And when Chrysler abandoned Highland Park, Michigan, the yeah. impact was devastating. Absolutely yeah. devastating. You know? So I, I, think, I think what he's doing, I, I agree with you, he's playing to a certain demographic that are wearing Trump hats and make America great again and, and, and doing that and trying to stoke his base. That's how he got, that's how he got nominated. The Republican Party wasn't addressing that group of humanity, and he was. And, and, and that's how he got nominated, and he's been loyal to him. Now, I, I don't agree in anything divisive. I don't think there's anything made with that. I think this birtherism thing is the dumbest damn thing you can do because what he should be doing is point to the, to the accomplishments he's made and, and point to the ground taken because there's some things he's done that's been good. He was working on prison reform, which would give African-American men the highest incarcerated group of Absolutely. demographic. He was giving, he was working, you know, with Kim Kardashian of all people. Yeah. No, he, he's bless, been working. Bless her. He was working on prison reform for, for Christ's sake, which I lauded. I mean, I was writing an article about this. And he's been fighting opioid addiction. I mean, he's been doing all this stuff. But what do you get? You get on Twitter and he gets on Twitter and he says stupid stuff. And then all of a sudden that's all the media follows because the media hates the guy. And that's all we hear about. Well, and, he started a media war. No, listen, of course he did. He's got, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're a leader and you're a man and there's a fight, you started it and it's your job to end it. Yeah. And to keep it going is BS. Yes. And I wish he would stop the fighting. We, we, we've got enough fighting. And it's an, yeah. as a leader of the country, it's incumbent upon him to stop the fighting. Yeah. But, you know, and, and, it, and it would be easy if he just started po- pointing to the things he's accomplished and, and just that, but he, he takes the bait all the time. And, and the guy likes to fight. He just likes to fight, you know? And uh, it's, uh, it's a flaw. The guy's a flawed human, man. And, uh, and he's our president. And, you know, he, I think he's as flawed as he is. I still think he's a better choice than the alternative. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I love to, I, I don't want to, I, I want you to, to, to express everything there is for you to express about him. But I also want to start talking about also what we see as far as an alternative, though. Right. We'll do well, that in, a, in, the, next, in, the, next in the next segment. But yeah, so, all right, we're going to be back in a couple minutes, everybody. This is Mike Sherrick and Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. This is WCGO Chicago. Jason Hill here, and I want to let you know that you're listening to the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio. Tune in live from 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app, Tune in or wcgoradio.com. The podcast is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Find it, rate it, and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch about the show or inquire about sponsorship opportunities and rates, please reach out to my co-host Mike at MikeShrek at gmail.com. Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame coach Tom Landry once said, a coach is someone who has you see what you don't want to see and has you hear what you don't want to hear, so you can always be the person you knew yourself to be. Hello, I'm Mike Sherrick, founder and president of the Mike Sherrick Group and Mike Sherrick Coaching. We are an executive coaching and leadership development organization with offices in Berwyn, Illinois and Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Successful organizations begin with the self-awareness and authenticity of its leaders. And in today's world, we are all leaders. If you or your organization has a big vision, or you know there's another level you can go to, 
please give us a call at 630-643-6336. If you're one of the first three people who call us today, you will be eligible for a free IMX leadership assessment and debriefing, a $550 value free to you and your organization. So give us a call at 630-643-6336 and take it on. You know, I... I I know you want to really share like the the stuff that you've discovered about Trump that just doesn't work for you. So I I, I want you to continue sharing that and and you know just getting it out there because you know I want to be responsible for for this. I you know there's no cover up. We you know I I clearly like I said I'm I'm supporting him, but you know mm-hmm. it it you know for people to actually make informed choices they got to know. And you're you're possibly the most researched dude I know, so I appreciate it. You know. Well, one of the things, you know, I, I have this, I don't know, this, it took me 15 years to research it and yeah. 700 page book on American foreign policy yeah. and where we should go. And it's our foreign policy has been, uh, it's called America dumb. Like <laughs> yeah. it's really saying America should play. It's on a contract. I don't know when it'll come out because I need to cut it down from seven pages, 700 pages, but it's yeah. really looking at where America should go. And I think yeah. America should play actually a greater role i'm a, you know in the vein of president Ray, hmm. reagan yeah america should exercise more jurisdiction moral jurisdiction over the world and one of the things that really bothers me about the trump administration is that we have completely isolated ourselves yeah. we are like world war you know an pre-world war ii isolationist yeah. state now yeah we have so alienated the allies that we have painstakingly built since World War II, uh, Trump has scorned, yeah. he has demeaned yeah. from calling Angela Merkel and Prime Minister May. Uh, whatever you think of these leaders, mm-hmm. you don't go around demeaning them and call no. them stupid and weak and have them uh, <laughs> disinvite themselves from the G7 summit. Uh, in other words, this bodes, does not bode well for or or national intelligence because well, yeah you know for- jay one of the things you you point to with that the biggest problem i see is you know nature abhors a vacuum and so if we step away who steps in and fills a void for us well russia iran and north korea and, and yeah. your friends in china and our friend and oh, Ch- oh china's already filling the vacuum yeah yeah you know and this really bothers me i mean it just i, I mean because i i i believe in diplomacy and i believe yeah. you know look one of the reasons that really we're good at defeating Hitler is because we had to make a choice between Stalin and Hitler. Yeah. And we said, look, who's, who's, who's a lesser of two, lesser evils? Of two evils. Yeah. And we, 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 you know, if Hitler had, had, um, Hitler had designs on, on attacking America, mm-hmm. his expansionist policy was nowhere as, ex, as, as, uh, as severe as Stalin. Stalin really wanted Eastern Europe. Yeah. Stalin really didn't want to march and take over all of Europe. Hitler really wanted to take over the whole world. He wanted right? to take over the world. So, yeah. The world, right. So yeah. I think when I look at Trump and I look at his foreign policy, which is disastrous, mm-hmm. it, it, I agree with you, his his policy towards Israel, and I've written about this publicly yeah. in my article, in my column, uh, is wonderful. I think moving the mm-hmm. capital to Jerusalem, I supported that and, yeah. uh, and so on. But the, the way that he's alienated our allies, and God forbid that we should have another uh, attack that we had on nine one one, where you know our listeners know this quite well because I'm a presupposing that our listeners are intelligent people and and we're not speaking to to, to dummies here. We're speaking to intelligent people that we have a, a system of shared intelligence, yeah. which is why we need we need Israel because mm-hmm. 
that's our alter ego in the Middle East. Yeah. We need Europe. We need yeah. France. We need Germany. We, need France, I mean, Germany, we might not England. agree with, with these people, yeah. but we need shared intelligence as members of um, a civilized Western democracy. And yeah. for Trump, we are up the creek if um, you know we are attacked because we have pissed off these people so much. Yeah. And the United States should be the head and the leader of the the free world. And I'm really, really, really deeply upset as someone um, who believes in diplomacy, who believes in um, a kind of shared civilizational norms, mm-hmm. um, the way Trump has just um, ran roughshod and alienated ourselves. No, Canada of all, I mean, he's insulted Trudeau. <laughs> I mean, well, while, just, while you were saying this, it's so funny because I, you know, I like to make fun of Canada because it's kind of an easy place to make fun of, but it's it's like our neighbors next door, you know. It's our neighbors next door. You and, don't spit on them. No, and you don't. And, and the other same thing with Mexico, you know. You um, those are they're our neighbors. They're the people who we're closest to. And you know, I love Mexico. I, I think Mexico is one of the coolest places in the world. They got their own issues, but you know, we all do. But yeah, I I, I don't understand the the um, the. the upset or the the constant going to war with them and, and battling with them that type of thing and arguing with them for no reason whatsoever you know it's um it, it, you know again like i said earlier trump in some ways seems to like to fight and i'm not sure what he's fighting for other than just to fight you know when, when i see him i see i see kind of like the oftentimes some of the really bad expression of like an alpha male like a bully you know, and, um, you know, you don't have to do it all the time. You know, you don't have to go around beating people up all the time. It's good to know that you can beat people up, but it's not something you, you, you actually lose effectiveness if you're doing it all the time. You create fear in the world. You create fear in your environment. And, um, and I just see he, he, he relies a little too, way too much on that for me. And, and, well, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, you finished. No, no, I was yeah. done. I'm done. Well, I think that, you know, there are ethical alpha males and there are pernicious, nefarious, bullying alpha males. And yeah. you look at you look at great leaders like um Winston Churchill mm-hmm. and um, you know, and and you look at somebody like I think Ronald Reagan was uh, I think um, President Reagan was one of the greatest presidents in our history. Was a good was a good alpha alpha yeah. leader. So exactly. you look at you know, you look at um I think even Lyndon Johnson uh could be tyrannical at times in yeah. private behind closed doors. Richard Nixon was a poor leader. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, but um and and Kennedy and and there's Kennedy a way was that a great you, leader. Yeah. yeah, there's a way that you inspire confidence yeah. and the way that that you inspire um the best within people. You don't do this by firing uh your cabinet members uh like you're running the apprentice, you're fired. Uh yeah. this is another thing that upsets me about Trump, the extent to which the turnover rate in his cabinet doesn't bode well for a constitutional republic. Yeah. But getting back to the foreign policy issue and getting back to something you talked about earlier about what would the alternative be? I mean, I would, I, I really, as someone who's written, I feel embarrassed. I have to say I feel embarrassed now okay. because as someone who's written extensively and gone around the country and written a book mm-hmm. prating about American exceptionalism, America is the most moral country on the face of the earth. America yeah. is the best country. The American people are the most exceptional country, people on earth. I feel retros. I f- I have to be honest. I feel now sitting back, mm-hmm. you know. I feel a sense of retrospective embarrassment that this man has robbed me of the pride and the love, the uh, the 
I mean, I love America more than mm-hmm. I love the own country, my own country. I, I left Jamaica when I was 20. Yeah. And the passionate love that I have for this country is unexplainable. It is mm-hmm. so visceral. It is so deep. Yeah. And the fact that we are now pitted, we are now, people used to fear America or mm-hmm. they used to admire America. They never pitted America. Yeah. And people used to pin their aspirational identities on becoming an American. Yeah. And it, it really, it just bothers me that we have so, that one man is responsible for single-handedly alienating America from our, our treasured allies. We don't have to agree with Macron. I think Macron is a weak, <laughs> weak. I do not yeah. agree with his policies quite often. Yeah. My, my guy was Sarkozy. You know, yeah. he was like... Yeah. No, you're not going to wear the burqa in France because we don't we don't stand for that nonsense. Yeah. I love that guy. That short, yeah. short. He, no, that was a tough alpha male, right? Yeah, he was. I love that. But you have too. to. You don't. I mean, Theresa May. Of course, she was a weak. She was no. She was no Margaret Thatcher. No. But you don't tell. You don't publicly humiliate leaders that way. We need these people. We need them not just for intelligence sharing. We need them for all sorts of other strategic reasons, and. Um, I I want to see America uh, be a beacon of inspirational and moral leadership and not have it be a country that is coalesced around a cult of personality. And I would say that for anybody who's leading on the left or anybody who's leading on the right. Jay, I, I, mean, I, I think one of the things, I, I, you know, I'm always a glass half full guy and I'm like the eternal optimist, right? And, and I think one of the things that, that Donald Trump's provided is... He's, he's cr- kind of put us in a tensile strength test. And what that does, it's a destructive test. It pulls us apart, but it also identifies where we're strong and where we're not strong. And I think what this is, is really, you know, what would this coming election and this current time and space is a time where individuals can really look in the mirror and kind of own their own version of what freedom looks like and what America looks like. And I think we have to hold people to account. I think we've got to hold Donald Trump to account. I think we've got to hold all our statesmen to account. I think we've got to hold our, our local leaders to account. And, I, and I'm seeing in some of the, the local areas, you know, some of the, some of the mayors are stepping up. Some of the, some of the, the governors are stepping up. You know, there's, there's this, this, this calling forth to lead that hasn't happened before because we had such a highly centralized government, especially, you know, with George Bush and take, you know, 9-11, it called for it. And then Barack Obama also created kind of a very centralized government. And, you know, he had a say in a lot of stuff. And, and I, I think what this is creating is creating an opportunity for a, a, a strength of character from, from the, the masses to, to start to pull up. And, and I think, you know, someone's got to be the adult in the room. And I, I think people start to look in the mirror and say, listen, I, I think it's time for me to be the adult. You know, that's what I'm hoping for. I may be a little bit Pollyannish there. I don't know. What do you think? Am I stupid? <laughs> no, I don't think you're stupid in, in, in thinking that. I, I, I think that um, I'm shocked mm-hmm. having lived here for 35 years yeah. and witnessing and observing politics very, very closely. I am shocked at the reverse. I am shocked yeah. at the attempt to which people have relinquished their capacity to think independently. Yeah. And have sort of, again, uh, 
given up their sovereignty and their autonomy I know. and succumbed to what I think is a cult of personality. Oh, that's just Trump. Oh, that's just Trump wit. You know, this is very, this is very un-American. Americans used to be the kind of yeah. people who would say things like, well, um, let's pick this up in, in a couple yeah. minutes. Uh, yeah. We're going to take a break. This is Mike J. This is Into the Gap. This is WCGO Chicago. We're back. This we're is back. Mike Sherrick, Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you were talking about, uh, we got cut off a little bit. That was me not managing the break very well, so I apologize oh, about that. But, all right. Yeah, you were talking about um, people giving up their personal sovereignty. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I never saw this cult of personality around uh, the two Bushes, mm-hmm. um, around um, Bill Clinton. Um, although Clinton was a highly narcissistic president, he was still a good leader, I think. Uh, we had, you know, it was like a frat house during his presidency. It, was, <laughs> it certainly was. was. It oh, was. oh my God. He left us with a fabulous surplus. Who would I know. It was like, really like you won the lottery and you lived in a frat house. That was the clean I mean, years, you know? You know, kudos to Monica. I mean, great. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, oh my God. Whenever I think of Bill Clinton, I think of cigars. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but I, but I getting back to, 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 to this seriously, I... I think that, uh, and going back to my own position, Mike, you know, I voted for Obama enthusiastically the first time. Yeah. And one of the reasons as an independent conservative, I did not vote for him the second time was because right. I, 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 I thought critically about what do I want in a president? And mm-hmm. when this man started talking about soft power and apolog- yeah. that horrible speech in Cairo that he gave and started talking about um, apologizing for American exceptionalism and leading from behind, I was like, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. I'm not voting for you. This is I, not the America I want to see. I want to see a strong leader. Yeah. So I, you know, I said, no, I'm not voting. I did not vote for Mitt Romney because I thought he was a, a flake. Yeah. And uh, he was not a strong leader. So I said, I, my thing was none of the above. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I'm seeing is I'm shocked at the extent to which so many people excuse Donald Trump's bad behavior as just, that's just Donald giving up yeah. their autonomy, their above all, their independent, rational judgment by deferring, and I see it everywhere. I was having a conversation with someone mm-hmm. just yesterday and I said, you know, Trump is wreaking havoc with this thing about the postal services, yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. This could really affect, or this is, could really affect our elections seriously in November. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's just Donald Trump. And I'm like, what do you mean it's Donald Trump? You're an intelligent, you've got a PhD. You're a conservative. What do you, what, think about what this could mean. And that's what I'm saying. You know, I, I've never witnessed this before in 35 years of living here. I didn't see that cult of personality around Reagan. I mean, people no. adored Ronald Reagan. Yeah. But but I remember listening to talk radio as a young 20-something-year-old sitting, mm-hmm. stuffing envelopes, putting myself through school, mm-hmm. you know, listening to people um, just like trash Reagan. <laughs> yeah. Members of his own party trashing him. Yeah. Um, trashing, people trashing Bush. And when when people are so petrified of a man and there is this fear of Donald Trump. That's Mm -hmm. not good. He is our servant for people. He is our servant. Yeah. All public elected officials. We went from royal sovereignty to popular sovereignty Mm -hmm. uh, after the Whig revolution in the 17th century. Mm -hmm. These are our, they serve our interests. They protect our individual rights. No American should ever be afraid sit in fear of any president or any elected official 
we respect the dignity of the office, yeah. but we do not fear the man. And it, it really bothers me that this man has just sort of like has so many people, including members of his own party, petrified of speaking out against him because he's going to unleash a ropes bearing reign of terror against them that they just shut their mouths. Oh, I didn't hear what the president said. Or oh, I'm, I'm late for lunch. You know, Mitch McConnell's mm-hmm. fa- fabulous line. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know what the president said. I'm, I'm, I'm just going off for lunch right now. You have to call me later. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, you know, Jay, what I'm seeing is, is I, I don't think it's so much that he instills the fear as much as there's fear in the environment. And we've become a culture uh, that just lacks courage. And, and when you have a culture that lacks courage, you open the door for that type of almost authoritarian type leadership. And there's been an, I mean, he ran in the uh, Republican primary against 16 people mm-hmm. and nobody could stand up against him. But Mike, when did we get to that position? When, when did Americans not, I've always known and admired Americans as being a fearless, courageous people. I, I, Jay, I celebrate I think that in what, my book. I, when I, did we get to this point? I think it happened after 9-11. I, I think 9-11 scared the we, – like, like we talked about during the Clinton administration. You know, it was like we were lottery winners living in a frat house. And we're just – you know, we everything worked. Everybody's making money. Everyone's happy. Everyone's driving BMWs. Everyone's living in a McMansion, right? And then all of a sudden, there's this thing on 9-11. And then Bush comes in, and people are scared. And then there was that, you know, the, the short-term downturn of economy and then the other downturn in the economy in 08 and 09. And so we've had this series of hits and we, we've, we've lost our resilience. And then Obama comes in, he's apologizing for everything, as opposed to like standing up and rebuilding and, and, and owning it. You know, we've become this, this kind of this mamby-pamby, politically correct culture where you know people get offended really easy, easily, where we can no longer have co- candid conversations, where corporations are more concerned with avoiding a potential lawsuit than they are with developing leadership. You know, there's there's all of this stuff. And you know, and it's part of the thing. I think we've we've gotten addicted to comfort and convenience. We've gotten addicted to be really comfortable. We got really comfortable with the Clinton administration. We were comfortable even after 9/11. It didn't hit me. It hit New York. You know, but I, I, but still, we're like okay. So let me give you an example. Yeah. I was watching a um something on YouTube which was really funny, where mm-hmm. Boris Johnson before COVID, yeah, was because he's you know was telling a reporter like shut up, and, yeah. and the British you don't mess with British reporters, yeah. English reporters. They were like, no, you shut up, your hair, <laughs> you shut up, and she was feisty. Yeah, Donald Trump. One of the things that bothers me is that Donald Trump poses a real threat to our First Amendment because. He silences reporters. I mean, he's, he, he cuts yeah. um, briefing sessions short. He has a manner with what he paints the, the, the media as the enemy of the people. That's one of the first thing he did yeah. as, as president. And the way that he sort of short circuits and shuts down questions. I mean, somebody asks him a legitimate question. He turns on the reporter and says, you're a nasty person. Yeah. And the, and the, so that's fine. That's Donald Trump's personality. Yeah. Fine. What I find abhorrent is the fact that I mean, I wish I were a journalist in that room because I would stand up and said, no, <laughs> Mr. President, you are the servant of the people. You will answer me right now. Yeah. I, I mean, w- where did like reporters become so subservient? And w- 
I'm trying to wrap my head. I understand Trump. Yeah. But when did Americans, including our, our reporters who are, you know, the transmission belt of ideas in this country. Yeah. When did they become so soft? Uh, I think they became very kind and gentle with uh, Barack Obama, you know, but that's just my own perspective. Um, you know, Jay, we we only have about two more minutes. I, I, I really want to thank you for what you brought today, because what I'm leaving this with is I, I'm as strong a supporter of President Trump, and I, I really want him to win this next election. And I am going to do everything I can to hold him to account and stop the barbaric behavior that's unnecessary. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I don't know what that's going to look like, but it, it, it cause it's not, it, it, it's not part of who he is as the president. It's not presidential. And that's what we got to call for. We got to call for him to step up and become presidential. And that's what, that's a change I'd like to see. So thank you for that. And I, and I think that's what I hear you asking for is actually return to dignity and to honor. The statesmanship that yeah. we used to have. Yeah. 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 I know. think that's really it. And, and also the return to American exceptionalism, not American victimization. That's the other thing I'm taking from this. So, yeah. and that's why your book is so awesome. So anyone who hasn't bought We Have Overcome, go get it. It's awesome. Thank you. All right, we got to go. All great right. talk with you, brother. Thank you. Happy weekend. Have a great Same time. You. Stay safe in, in Chicago because it's supposed to be nutty today. All right? Um, yeah, I will. This is Mike Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. This is WCGO Chicago. See you, everyone. Bye-bye.